Welcome to episode eight of Expanding Beyond. Um, for you, it's probably the same schedule. Every two weeks, you get an episode, hopefully. Uh, for us, it's been a bit of a longer break. Um, and so we, this is our after summer holiday episode, I would say. How are you yes. doing, Monica? <laughs> I'm doing okay. It's not good. It's okay. Uh, after summer, I don't like after summer. <laughs> I mean, I like fall. But summer has ended, and that still makes me a little bit sad. So summer yeah. is the the season of possibilities. And you? About the same, I would say. So school has started um, this Tuesday here in Bavaria. Uh, so we've been running around, uh, buying all the things, and the bigger one is now going to a different school, so all is new as well. So. We just have to figure out how it all works. And then there's the first meeting with the teachers next week. So two evenings just for that, which is also Ooh. a lot of fun, of course. <laughs> Can imagine. Yeah. So that's that's that part. But then in between now on the weekends when the kids are playing, luckily it's still somewhat sunny outside so they can play with the neighborhood kids. I'm... I'm reading all the time and it is your fault, of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm a bookworm since I was a kid. My mom <laughs> always, one of those stories that parents says, this one is not embarrassing, thank God. Uh, she always says that as soon as I started, I, I was able to read on my own. I came back home, I opened one of my favorite comics and was like, oh, finally I can do this without you. Because then I could read whenever I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so at some point, randomly, you mentioned on Twitter a book called Ancillary uh, Justice, mm -hmm. which is a sci-fi series, and that's it's just really great. And I'm currently on the second one of three, and I ordered the third one so that I can directly continue when I'm done with this one. Good choice. You have very good taste. Of <laughs> <laughs> it's a series, so there's also more, I mean, this is it trilogy so it, it can be read on its own and it stands uh, but I know that the the author also wrote uh, some other novels set in the same uh, universe and the same setting mm -hmm. I I'm I promised myself that I wouldn't buy any other book for 12 months so I'm halfway through well one third through that promise so I cannot mm -hmm. buy anything else or at least until I finished all the books that I already purchased but uh, yeah uh, I have a very long list <laughs> <laughs> yeah and after that I might go back to reading rereading all the Terry Pratchett Discworld novels novels I'm you really I have good taste um, I, I read the first I think four or five books and then I stopped for uh, whatever reason um, but it's in my plan to uh, go through all of them because Terry Pratchett is just genius yeah I mean there are some in there that aren't that great but many of them are yeah, really, I mean, really we are really talking good. about 40 plus books so I guess he's also allowed yeah there, he was there's, allowed not to be good all the time there's sort of a a dip somewhere in the middle I would say. Yeah. Uh, my favorite ones are the one where the protagonist is uh, death. Yeah. I, I really love <laughs> the fact that whatever 
it says i guess it's in it uh, it's written in all caps because <laughs> yeah. i can really hear the voice in my head <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i'm a big fan of the widgets which is with their headology and stuff like that mm. which is also very very funny and very true i would say yeah until now my favorite one is uh pyramids it's like you could really feel the sarcasm <laughs> drip through the pages uh, pyramids isn't one of my favorites it's yeah anyway i'm currently at number 11 or something mm. and that's another roughly 30 books to go and then i've will have read them all twice <laughs> twice it's that's a lot of books yeah but they're short right they're they're yeah none of them are really big ones all right so today we'll just talk about books and then we'll go back to programming next time okay <laughs> i'm fine with that. i mean i read something inherent to the topic so uh, i finished rereading the manager's path mm -hmm. um, so um, I, I the first time around i didn't really went through all of it this time around i i read it all uh, and it's been two years so, mm -hmm. uh, between one and the other uh, the the first read and the second and the first one happened right before I started uh, managing people and this one I'm already through a couple of years of that it it was a different read <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so let's see how many things we can get through in this episode mm -hmm. there's a, a lot has happened like I said it's yes. been a bit of a longer break for us I guess from my side the most interesting bit that happened was was it last week? It was last week, yeah. On Monday, which is our busiest day, mm -hmm. uh, we noticed that our system got randomly slow every, what was it, 10 or 15 minutes. Mm. And we first couldn't really figure out what it was. I mean, we knew it was the database and we looked at various things. We, we thought, is there someone who is sending massive amounts of requests and stuff like that? But it didn't really look like it. Mm -hmm. And in the end, we discovered that it's just, we've hit basically. So our database is, is hosted on AWS. Okay. And we've basically hit the limit of whatever machine that database runs on. Ah. And then it sort of randomly queries get slow because there's just not enough CPU. Okay. So it was a CPU problem, not yeah. space. Yeah, it was a CPU problem and we somehow the cpu graph we looked at didn't really tell us all that much mm -hmm. and then it worked it sort of was okay-ish on that monday it, it still worked and we thought okay uh, good enough and then it continued again on tuesday so we are in the in the call center space so it's basically traffic only during uh working hours of call centers yeah. in europe so doesn't sound pretty and then on Tuesday, we found that nice graph somewhere hidden that actually pretty much shows what we've uh, suspected. And then, of course, we couldn't upgrade our database during working hours. So we no, had to wait yet, yet another day before we could upgrade, which we could have done the evening before. But yeah, somehow we didn't. So how did you figure out that it was the, the CPU in the first place? Two big tables, query to complicated to heavy first of all we couldn't really tell because it was random queries that were slow mm. sometimes they were slow sometimes they were fast that was sort of the first hint for us to say okay this is not 
some table getting too big. I mean, that's of course something that can also happen if you have one table that you query all the time and then it suddenly hits a certain size that it just sort of performance falls off a cliff. But here it was random queries that were slow. So this was basically our first hint towards saying, okay, this must be something bigger than just a table being yeah. the problem. And then somewhere hidden in the performance metrics, there is actually a, gra a graph uh, that sort of drills down into whatever takes time. So it's CPU and various locks and whatever. And then there's this tiny dashed line going across, <laughs> which shows you how many virtual CPUs you have for that machine. Um, and on those days, you could clearly see that we were going above. And then it was then it was pretty clear that it must have been that. What do you have to notify you that stuff is not going the right way? Do you have anything like that? <laughs> uh, yes, on various levels. So what that is sort of the the alarms were probably not set correct. I mean, we have a we we, we I mean, on AWS, you can sort of monitor CPU. Yeah of the machines and then you can set a certain threshold where it says now you have to send out an alarm but we just that was set just much too high and it didn't even fire when we noticed that the system was slow so that's yeah. one of the outcomes it was sent to 80 percent of whatever cpu we have okay no and that doesn't that's work. just kind of high now we've yeah. set it, we've upgraded the machine and now we've set it to 40%. And then hopefully next that time that sense. happens, we'll see. Yeah. How did you handle the incident? I mean, we were, we were lucky in, in the sense that it was just slowing down the system and it wasn't completely unresponsive. So there were a few queries that sort of didn't complete but mostly it worked. So, I mean, internally the, we basically all tried out stuff and reported in a Slack channel. Mm -hmm. And then we let our customer support know, should a customer talk to them, they could tell them that they're, we are aware and that it's slow down, but the system isn't completely uh, down at least. I was wondering because, I mean, there are two aspects to this. One is how to deal with incidents. So lately we have interviewing candidates for a position for a director of engineering and for the technical interview. We are asking different different puzzles, let's let's call them this way. Mm -hmm. These are just mental exercises to uh, to go through to see how the person thinks, uh, how they what what they ask, how they act. I mean, there's no really right or wrong answer because and this I'll get back to afterwards. There's a because um but lately the the last two we have interviewed around uh one uh one issue the one we had uh during at the beginning of the lockdown where uh everybody thought <laughs> yeah gyms are gonna be closed so <laughs> let's download a fitness app and yeah. uh you know get a get a subscription to it it's a good problem to have again but uh, still a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, same here. Uh, it is a good problem to have that there's more traffic. But exactly yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so there's that, and and the question is, I mean, uh, we we go through uh, a few, uh, like we go through an explanation of how roughly how the architecture is and 
what are the dependencies here and there and what are the issues that we went through and then we we asked okay how would you deal with the incident what i found fascinating is that most of the people focus on the on solving the issue itself it's like they they look at it from a technical perspective but mm -hmm. they never go about discussing the handling of the incident so what you just described it's like okay we communicate we try different things we communicate it asynchronously in a slack channel that is accessible by everyone in the company we communicated with customer support that yeah. uh, there is this issue so that customers are aware um, blah 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 and, and this never never ever comes up in the conversation and yeah. i find it fascinating it's because that's yeah. actually the point i mean yes of course there's there's an issue but you know yeah so what we did yeah exactly when on that monday or tuesday when i when we, i noticed i just posted a quick message in the customer support slack channel saying hey we there's this issue uh we noticed we we're working on it uh, it the system isn't completely down so most of our system should be up but just to let you know and then once we had figured it out and fixed everything we then posted a another message for the whole company to see perfect because otherwise i mean it's not like going to go unnoticed and it's better to let everyone know what exactly yeah. happened instead of having them guess yeah because actually in the past it happened a few times that we were kind of notified of problems by our users so they would write customer support and we knew from a technical from an engineering uh, team standpoint that we were having issues but because we didn't communicate it early enough with the rest of the company then nobody else knew about it and then they would hear it from customer support saying that users were reporting the problem while we were actually trying to solve the the issue itself so that doesn't really help the organization when troubles start like yeah it, it's a it the the problem is not solving the problem the problem is it's really like a crisis like having everyone with with peace of mind uh, let's put it this way yeah and it's and it's also not a lot of work right in the end yeah. you just write this one message and then you yeah. go back to trying to fix it that even helps especially the conversation in the slack channel that really helps then to if it like if what what you try you are then reporting to your colleagues once it's important because otherwise there are other people that are gonna try and and fix the, the problem and the problem might get worse it in, in my experience once we had uh, the system uh, the the csop that was trying to fix a problem so he was scaling down pods and uh, uh, restarting them and at the same time because they didn't talk our back then uh, senior engineer uh, he was doing the same so at some point we were without pods so yeah, okay. the system was actually down because they were trying to fix it but they didn't know <laughs> so it's important also to communicate with your colleagues what you are doing yes and it helps then having a chronology of what happened a history uh, what worked what didn't uh, so that you can then reconstruct and and go back uh, and and try to understand how this is not gonna happen and again and how can you solve that problem? Because, and this is the, the second thing that I wanted to, to point out, is that how would you know that this would happen? Like, I mean, there are some, some things that you can think about regarding your system, your, uh, your architecture, your um, 
whole application. But especially in, in companies that are as small as ours uh, or startups where you have a young team and so on, like it's almost impossible to know in advance what's going to happen when you hit a certain limit uh, yeah. where, where issues might have. So every time it's something new and, and it never happened before. Uh, therefore, you have to navigate the situation as it unfolds. Mm -hmm. And then you just have to make sure that you've put stuff in place that the same thing doesn't happen again. Exactly. Which I But, guess is the important bit then. Yeah, it, it, that that's absolutely true. But I've, I've been reading now a few, a few books around uh, or attending conferences around resilience and uh, mm -hmm. things like that. And what what they say is uh, is exactly this that that things will happen and you won't know when they're gonna happen so what is important is that you have mechanisms in place so that what happened in the past is not gonna happen again mm -hmm. but also that you should be aware that things will happen and that's where it's important to then have a process in place to handle the incidents themselves uh, so the the infrastructure, the way you communicate and, uh, and a way of recording what, what happened. Because mm -hmm. while the incident happens, you won't have time to record what's happening at that point in time. So yeah, the place there f for that then is the post-mortem and then it's important to have all the details. Yes, yes. Actually, I'm going to also have a post-mortem next week. So for us, we won't have a dedicated post-mortem for this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the one hand, it was just upgrading the database. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but secondly, which is um, something we've done for the last few months now, is until recently we had a monthly meeting where basically the CTO and all the developers uh, come together and everyone thinks of broader topics that they've noticed that they think should be mm. changed soon uh, to sort of avoid various various issues or there's some weird code somewhere in place that we think eventually we should tackle and maybe now is the time or you at least want to discuss it again and have okay. the sign off of the CTO to say no we don't do it now <laughs> mm. right and yeah so we this this worked so well for us that we've we are now doing this basically every two weeks and we just full that discussion and the outcome of what can we do to make sure that this doesn't happen again and we are sort of That's folding this into this yeah so we started we started doing this because i don't know maybe since since a year or so the cto isn't really programming anymore he isn't mm -hmm. totally involved anymore but he still rightfully wants to be involved in various architectural decisions yeah but for us it is super hard to figure out what exactly are the topics he wants to be involved in <laughs> Mm -hmm. Because sometimes for us, it's been, we've discussed this for weeks and weeks and it's just a tiny change, but he had never heard of it. And now he's alarmed yeah. by various things. So we decided, okay, now we just, we just have to have a meeting and discuss those things. I mean, as, as a, as a manager, uh, I, I can feel him in general. In, so my take is that as long as the me as a manager i know what's going on i mean i can always i wouldn't call it pull the plug but i can pull the brake if there's something that is really off in in my in, in my opinion but 
usually at least I know what's going on. So I can also react or, or bring it forward as a conversation at higher levels or with other peers. So that is extremely helpful, uh, even if it's a, what, what is perceived as a tiny change. Yeah, again, it is, it's just a communication yeah. issue because, I mean, for us as developers, it's of course sometimes frustrating when you've discussed something at length already and then you start yes. from scratch and have to explain it to yet another person and then yeah. probably end up with the same conclusion. What could be done differently in that case so that like, someone could follow the conversation without really having to repeat it again? The issue there is that the CTO is somewhere in between letting us have the responsibility and do stuff. But on the other hand, he still feels that it, it, it's sort of in the end, it all falls back to him and he wants to yeah. give input somewhere. So, And this is sort of this in between is, of course, not always the best idea because you, to make decisions, you need to all know all the details in the end. Yeah. So this was our this was the idea then for this meeting so that we come together and we discuss those things. I mean, the other option would be to have someone else be in charge and be responsible for all that. And I guess we're just too small for that to be a yeah. good idea. I understand your CTO. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's what I can say. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been thinking lately about how do you as a manager do certain things as a technical manager? How do you divide your time uh, and what be your, your focus? I mean, like always focus changes over time because there are different needs at different time but the technical part is always a bit a question mark because as i said i mean in the end you are you're not responsible but you are accountable for certain mm -hmm. uh, for certain yeah. things that happen and if those don't fit into the strategy or they don't fit uh, and i'm saying strategy as if i know what that would mean um <laughs> <laughs> it's like There is a lot of talks around strategy and in the end, nobody really knows. Um, or you don't want to micromanage, but you also don't want to uh, let it go sometimes. So it's a, it's a tough spot. But I think this, this basically works, works for everyone mm. right now, at least. We'll see if there's, if we have a few more developers coming eventually, then I guess we'll have to do it in, dif in a different way again but for now this is actually working pretty nicely all right so that was actually a pretty long discussion on that topic yes how about you what what happened with you in those weeks ah what happened a lot and not much <laughs> uh, one of the uh, one of the things that happened is that um, because it's summer and it's uh, germany so summer holidays Uh, my manager went on holidays for three weeks and this time around he decided to have someone to take over some responsibilities and mm -hmm. this time around it was me and uh, I mean it was a quiet time because most of the company was still on holiday because kids and whatnot so it, there wasn't a lot but I had on top of my usual responsibilities also a little bit more hiring responsibilities so mm -hmm. as I said We were we are hiring for engineering managers and for uh, and for director of engineering as a department. But then in my team, I'm also hiring. I was hiring for an iOS developer, so I had three hiring processes 
in parallel. <laughs> okay. That doesn't help. And uh, and I had to take over two other engineers uh, among my reports because uh, their team lead, uh, their engineer manager uh, left. So uh, <laughs> they deserve to have someone that also takes care of their career and, uh, and their well-being. Therefore, we have distributed the team among the other engineer managers. Mm -hmm. um, but this also means that now I am at 10 permanent uh, reports plus Oof. one working student. That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so, uh, and there, uh, this is what happened. Uh, and there I'm, I started to think about what does it really mean to be an uh, efficient and um, uh, effective manager? Because with that many reports, I can't be as hands-on as I would like to be um, mm -hmm. in, in certain, in certain aspects. So I started researching a little bit on this topic. And uh, the last thing is that um, mistakes everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let, let, let's put it this way. I started a, a, an initiative uh, around a fundamental change in the way we uh, deal with feature flags in, uh, in our backend. Mm -hmm. And I was, again, because I was talking about it and thinking about it so often in a few weeks, I didn't realize that I did exactly what uh, I usually tell people not to do. So I didn't talk about it with other people. So when I rolled out the initiative, of course I got pushed back because people just became aware that this was a thing. So they had legitimately an opinion on it. And, uh, and yeah, so it was uh, funny to me because it's always uh, interesting to see how different things are when you witness them so, that that was an obvious mistake how could he had not seen this <laughs> and then you are in the thick uh, of things and you do the exact same mistakes yeah so yes there's a it happened many things happened uh the one the the one that really is in my head right now the the one thing is this about um because it's also uh, time for um, looking at career development for the engineers in my team and uh, their performance and, uh, and so on, because I want them uh, to be successful and I want them to uh, have the raise they deserve, to have the promotion they deserve and to, to develop to uh, really what they, they are great people and, and, and great professionals. So I was also thinking, okay, but what is that makes, I, I'm not an individual contributor anymore. So what makes the difference in assessing the performance of a manager and uh, how good they are at their job uh, compared to that of an IC? And uh, guess what? Apparently managers are evaluated by their team performance. Huh. Who thought that would Who be the thought, case? Right. Yeah. But that makes it if you think about it makes it so hard because your performance is based on other people's i mean even i mean perform measuring performance is is kind of kind of hard anyway how do, how do you measure even for an individual contributor how how exactly do you measure that absolutely i mean i, mean, I agree it's count it's the number hard. of stories stated <laughs> no 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 god forbid no 
because number I, of lines of code they wrote <laughs> oh lord of mercy yeah oh uh, we actually had uh, someone in our company that doesn't work with us anymore uh suggesting that it's like it's impossible you have to be able to measure the performance of uh, of engineers why not measuring the amount of commits i swear to god that's what they said these these are c-level people and i was like sure i can do as many commits as you want exactly the the thing is that it's so easy to game the system then right yeah if people think that it's just stupid then they start gaming the system yeah yes i mean that's why usually you have quantitative but also you have qualitative uh, measures um when when you it's not necessarily about performance but think about goal setting stuff like this it's like yes you can give 10 talks but if those talks are shit are we on the explicit category i I shouldn't say (laughs) i shouldn't swear uh (laughs) um, then what's the point i mean you are there and they are still terrible and they don't teach anyone anything so yes you've been on stage 10 times still you didn't learn anything out of it you didn't progress Mm. you didn't and I learned that the the hard way also in uh, in my team because at the beginning of the year what I noticed is that we were not having a very good ratio of uh, stories that we would get into planning and uh, that we would commit to uh, at planning and stories that we would be able to deliver at the end of the sprint. Point being, we were in a in a setup like we the our goals our mission was changed like there there were a few issues that were beyond uh, our control uh, at that point in time but there were obvious things that we weren't aware like in planning you just take too much and if you're working on stories that are not very specific and you have to figure out the content of the story while you work on it (laughs) of course you cannot take as many as you would if they were perfectly already groomed yes so i started just yeah yeah, i know right Uh, so i just wanted to show the numbers so that it would be obvious like guys remember that last print we finished 50 percent of our stories so compared to last print what do you believe that we can commit to this time around given the stories that we have and their status blah 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 so over time we got better because we also started to groom better our stories Mm -hmm. But a couple of times I, I had to uh, stop people because it was like, oh, we haven't finished this story. So because I would measure the completion rate, we don't do estimates at the moment. So I mm-hmm. would just measure yes. the number of stories completed at the at the end of the <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of estimations. Yeah, that's a whole different kind of beast. We can talk yeah. about that sometime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so at the end of the sprint, it was like, okay, we are. 70% done. Uh, we didn't patch beta. We patched beta. We, I don't know, we had to. Uh, so th- I also introduced other quality measures, how many bugs we would produce based on the stories in uh, that we that we just released and so on. And there were at least two times that I can remember that someone in the team was like, oh, we haven't completed this story. So let's just close it and take the subtask and make a story for the next print so that we don't screw up our uh, statistics. And I'm like, that's not the point. The <laughs> point is not the number. The number tells you something. Yeah, exactly. So that's cheating. The, 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 pa- <laughs> the pain is the important thing because that's where yes. you learn something. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was, yeah, 
and also this this print this last print happened something like that uh, and it, it was like just just bring the story to the next sprint it's okay the point is that we should learn why the story was different than the one that we did last week because uh, last sprint because it's obvious that the last one we finished this one we didn't so mm-hmm. again yeah, exactly kind of like a postmortem but just really reflect on it exactly uh, that's the important part to say why did that happen is there anything we can change yeah. to make it better next time yes so there's that so it's team performance <laughs> the the other thing that it's that it's hard is then when you, especially if you if you come from uh, from an IC uh, an engineer uh, background then you in your head you're a senior right like you're a senior engineer you're a staff engineer and then it's like you get into management but th- they write it everywhere but it's not that easy to really be aware of it but management is a different job and then you're not senior anymore you're mm-hmm. a junior but in your head you're still a senior so often also the bar is high that you set the bar high for yourself because like i should know this <laughs> and you don't <laughs> that is true yeah it's just a completely different skill set of course all right, all right. looking at the time I think we are done for this episode. I think there's yes, a lot, of, lot we could discuss <laughs> next time, but I think this is an uh, that's a great way to end here. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Twitter, that's my main uh, channel at KF Molly with an I, and uh, yes, of course LinkedIn name last name. There's that. Uh, otherwise, on Dev Two dev2 slash near night and also on in the blog in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> the best blog ever yes <laughs> <laughs> and you can also find me on twitter as ujh uh, linkedin i only use to post uh, links to our podcast yes. i must admit <laughs> because somehow I mean, that's great. our main main that's where how I am surprised how many people uh, come come from I there. Um, my blog is not in my head. Uh, it is it exists, <laughs> but the content is still in my head. Um, right. And if you want to reach us via email, you can email us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it. It has been lovely as always. Yes, it has been. All right. Bye bye. Bye, next time.